0: Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and welcome to Transformation for
1: Success Radio Show today. I want to give a shout out to all of my international, national, and local listeners. I trust you're having a great day, great afternoon, or evening, and greetings to my West Day family. You know, for many years, my passion has been to empower people with simple success principles to transform their lives. Each day, my desire is to make a difference in the lives of others and to share the stories of successful people from all walks of life and professions who discuss their transformational journeys with authenticity and transparency. Today, we have a sobering show to talk about today. You know, people normally don't talk about mental illnesses like depression, bipolar disorder, or suicide. I believe stigma and lack of understanding are the main reasons why these topics are not, they're aborted. But I do believe cultural norms are slowly changing and people are becoming more aware of the nature of mental illnesses and suicide and moreover, the impact that it can have on families and people who are left behind, so to speak. But many of you might not be aware that suicide is a leading cause of death for children 12 to 18 years of age. And close to 800,000 people die to suicide every year, which is one person every second seconds. So one of the things that I, in my research, discovered suicide is a global phenomenon, and it occurs throughout the lifespan. In fact, 79% of suicides occurred In low- and middle-income countries in 2016. So for many of us in the United States, the suicide rates increased 33% from 1999 to 2017 and even now today there are more sobering statistics and suicide ranked second for 10 to 34-year-olds and it still remains the tenth cause of death overall. So today, I'm extremely pleased to have on my show today Lark Dean Galley to share her journey of survival after her son died by suicide in 2019 and how this could happen without prior warning and what other parents can do to avoid a similar tragedy. Lark Dean Galley Gally is a beautiful woman who's successful. She is, and she's absolutely fantastically beautiful. And she's a serial entrepreneur, coach, and speaker. So, her journey today of survival and courage after her son's death by suicide is tremendous. And she has a gift for you today as she shares what she has learned after this tragedy and is on a mission to promote mental wellness and suicide prevention. So it's my pleasure to say greetings Lark Dean Galley. It's wonderful to have you on the show today.
2: Hello, hello. Thank you, Dr. Barbara. Hello. I really appreciate this opportunity to share my message. It means so much to me and it's it's close to my heart.
1: Well, I know it means a lot to the listeners um, out there to hear your story. And for those of you who are listening live, you can call in the show to ask questions of Lark and or me at 1-888-941-9141. Or you can email your questions and comments for those of you who are listening in all these international countries to info at success.com. We'll be happy to respond to you on air or by email. And if you or your friends miss the live show... You can listen via our syndicated podcasting platforms on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And on your now smart home devices such as Alexa or Google Play. Yes, you can now access my show through those home devices. So I'm encouraging you to listen in each week to catch the transformation success shows with Dr. B. Now to my guest again, Lark. I really want to applaud you again for being so open and transparent to share your story today and the research that you conducted on the subject. You've had quite a journey and a tragic situation that most of us have not really shared, but I want you to share some of your early background and your approach to living life.
2: Thank you. Um Let's say this journey sort of started with my father, who mm-hmm. suffered um, bipolar for all of his life when we didn't even know until he was in his 50s. Because, you know, like you mentioned, it's not something that was really talked about or known. Right. And uh, he died by suicide. It was six years ago tomorrow that he died by suicide. Oh, and I did not was, know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> it was very overwhelming. I actually went into a black hole for about... Um, five months. I don't even remember five months of my life. And uh, what I also didn't know is that when you have a family member who passes by suicide, there is a 50% increase in other family members also passing by suicide. And while my son had had some struggles when, um, about three and a half years before he died, we, we took him to a therapist and things seemed to be fine. Um, So I never followed up with him as far as like checking in, mental wellness, you know, how are you doing? He was just like, hey, things are fine. He looked like there was no problem. And yet on the morning of the 21st of March of 2019, uh, he, he had passed away by suicide. And we had had no clues in advance. It just seemed to come from nowhere, which was completely shocking. And I have to tell you that I started to go into that black hole just like I had done with my father. And it took me a few days, but I realized that there could be copycat suicides out there. And, you know, with my, my son's friends. And it wasn't about me, whether I was a good mother or not. It wasn't about my son. What was he going on with? It was about saving children's lives and Mm -hmm. speaking up so that they knew that's not the direction they needed to go. And that's why I just started talking. Within, within just a few days of my son's passing, I started posting on social media. And it just became this platform to me that I needed to share that this is possible and we need to wake up and realize that it's going on all around us and to stop ignoring it.
1: D- describe a little bit about your, your son's personality, but I want to bookmark something that in my research, and you've validated it, that the risk of suicide may be the greatest when the person's depression begins to lift and you sort of feel like things, you know, he, he or she's doing okay. And I did not know that. That's
2: one of the, the things, and you just validated that. He's need to be doing okay. Right, exactly, and it wasn't until after he passed away that I talked to a therapist and I said, what's going on, you know? Because he <clears> expressed some, like I said, some depressive thoughts three and a half years earlier and then we took him to the therapist for two months and he says, no, mom, I'm good. And then over the next three years, you know, he had lots of friends, he had hobbies, he was a freshman at the university in mechanical engineering, which is what he had wanted to do his entire life. So if you look from the outside, things seemed like they were Mm -hmm. on track, you know, and he was a normal teenager, no signs of depression or withdrawing or moodiness or other than, you know, a typical teenager, right? Um, Right. But what the therapist told me was that when when people have been depressed and then they start feeling better, the reason they're better is that they've come up with a plan and they haven't escaped when things get too difficult. And what seems weird is that, you know, during the winter months when it's dark and uh, a little bit more depressing, we Mm -hmm. see this going on lots of times in holidays, people get very depressed. They're mm-hmm. so depressed that they don't commit suicide because they're too depressed to do it. <laughs> uh, in the that's, spring, that uh, sounds weird, right? That it sounds weird. Spring, yeah. Yeah. When did they start to feel better? That they, that's when the numbers for suicide actually go up is in the spring because they're, they feel well enough to go and kill themselves, which is so crazy, but that's kind of what happened in his case. And I think, that he had this plan in the back of his mind and when things got too hard, he was just going to be done. And three events happened about the same day, right within the same time frame. And I mm-hmm. think it was just a matter of an, an three unfortunate events that happened that as adults, we can look at that and go, yeah, that's, that's not great, you know, but, but we can know that things will pass and, and it will be fine. But I think mm-hmm. that just as a teenager, sometimes they can't see past um tomorrow and it was just overwhelming for him and he had this plan in his mind and so he just went and followed through and didn't didn't realize the impact of his actions.
1: Laura, what were, were the Laura, can you explain or uh, share those three
2: unfortunate things that happened that maybe sparked sure, him to do this? Sure. Uhhuh So the week before he had been in a car accident, you know, there had been some some snow and he was probably as a young man traveling a little bit too close and he he the car in front of him stopped suddenly and he kind of crashed into it so okay. he needed to come up with the deductible which he could do he had means to do that um but the car was in the shop and uh he needed to borrow his his dad's car for a bit to get to get around up to school and back um and so he was feeling you know a bit overwhelmed about that and then his grades were a bit slipping, you know. It was getting harder. It was his second semester at, in, mm-hmm. in engineering, and mm-hmm. uh, a little bit harder for him. And that the night that he came home, it was pretty late at night. It was about eleven o'clock at night. I was asleep. My husband hadn't been able to fall asleep, so he kind of went in and, and talked with my son Christian. And uh, they were talking about the realities of the the car accident, which he got my son got a ticket for. Which now, w- with his two speeding tickets prior was going to mean that he would lose his license. We kind of warned him about that. And we did get a letter the following week after he passed that, yes, he had lost his license for a month. And, you know, as an adult it's like, okay, we find alternative methods for a teenager. It's like, what am I going to do now? Um, And then the grades, that just a lot of pressure. And then I think, you know, my husband talking to him so late at night after my son had been at school and working in the labs and all that all day, I think it was just the wrong time to do that. And I don't think anything my husband said was out of line. It was just the timing—a long day and, and lots of stuff going on. So mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. was somewhat of a regret. So those three things all at once, just kind of coming down. And my son is very close to my husband, and I think he felt like he had maybe disappointed my husband in some ways, mm-hmm. and uh, and he just thought, well, you know, why keep doing this?
1: So. Well, I'm glad you shared that because. Uh, when you look at prior cases, uh, and they'll talk about uh, in terms of research certain behaviors, and he didn't fit. I mean, from what you just shared, usually uh, the psychologists will say uh, some of the behaviors they act recklessly, or they're engaging in risky activities. Um, they're in violent or self-destructive behavior. These are things that people sort of upset, or they withdraw from family and friends and society even. And so he didn't show
2: any of those sort
1: of behaviors, obviously, from what you just said. Uh, Not at all. all. Um,
2: I think in in the things, as I've been talking to other people, this is what's becoming more manifest. Uh, Number one, that perfectionist mentality. It's never good enough. I'm never good enough. Um, There have been the cases over the last year where I've heard of these students who graduate from school they you know have these huge honors they graduate everything looks rosy and then they decide to end their lives and so we're looking on the outside saying they look like it's perfect but for these individuals their their perfectionism is so high that they can't feel like they can meet those standards and so that's something that I want to point out that is a big concern is that whole perfectionist mentality
1: And that's a big one. Um, One of the things um, that was, you know, piercing for me, uh, and I I shared this on a Facebook live that my youngest daughter died from the results of diabetes, and she went into a coma and was on life support for nine days. So I have gone through the loss of a child uh, age. She was 30 at the time she died. But when there is, in the case of a child dying by suicide, it can raise a lot of Questions and doubts, and obviously, uh, my question would be, did you or your husband ever question about was your love not enough to save your child or were you know did you just have those kind of
2: questions oh. among yourselves sure, and you know there's <laughs> there's a lot of regret that goes around with this um, you know he he my son and I we had a rocky relationship he was you know always but we were always butting heads. He was kind of a very much an alpha male, and he thought he didn't have to listen to mom since he was a young, young child. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, it just kind of built up this, you know, aggression between us and just un- unsettling. And I would try and try and uh, to have a better relationship, and it didn't seem to be going well. And so there's a lot of regret on my side that our relationship wasn't better and that years prior, I didn't, you know make changes in my behavior towards my son to foster a better relationship um and then of course my my husband regrets mm-hmm. having that conversation with my son late at night which mm-hmm. was not the right time he and and even having the conversation and and he blamed himself for for my son's passing where it it you know my son was old enough to know kind of you know to take responsibility for his own actions but it's these, these regrets that we have, you know, um, why didn't he feel comfortable talking with us if he was struggling and, and having, um, you know, just struggling in some ways? Didn't, didn't we create a good relationship? Because we were, were a very close family, and especially my husband and son, they were best of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that it wasn't enough to have our son come and be willing to be vulnerable with us. And I look back on that, and I think um, my husband's retired colonel from Mm -hmm. the the Mm -hmm. army and you know we run a tight ship and and when I was a younger parent I thought that that was the way you did things you run a tight Mm -hmm. ship and all the kids fall in line and I have to say I look back now and I what would I have done differently uh change relationships I would create a better environment where my children felt they could come and talk to me about anything um okay mom I got the girl down the street pregnant, or mom, I'm coming out, I'm gay. Instead of having these very strict rules or way of life, it's just like create an environment where they can feel comfortable coming and telling you anything. And your role as a parent is more to guide and support instead of the enforcer. I think that's good. And we're going to
1: take a quick break at that point. And I think that is a good point. That we go on break. So, listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with my guest, Lark Dean Galley. So, thank you for listening.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore what we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. If you are looking to deepen your understanding of karma, the law of attraction, metaphysics, mindfulness,
2: and intuition, be sure to tune in each week for You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind with host Catherine Potter. Catherine and her insightful guests will show how everything interconnects, explaining concepts and modalities that connect the mind and body. It's a refreshing look at the universe and the laws that govern it. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome back to my interview today with Lark Galley. Her journey of survival, courage, and the lessons learned after her son's death by suicide in 2019. And thank you so much, Lark, for sharing, because I know it's still a little difficult, and just really appreciate your sharing some of your thoughts and some of the things that you've gone through. Now you mentioned uh, before we went on break, yes, we all, I can imagine think about things that could have been done and, and there are some regrets and some things that we can talk about, but did you um, get some answers you needed where you could help other parents? Cause I know uh, some of the questions that many face are, Feeling like you were a failure as parents. How did you handle this and sort of move on to embark on your exploration journey into how this could have happened and how
2: you can help other parents? Um, sure. Um, I, the move on part is is more of a roller coaster move on. So you know there are <laughs> highs and lows all mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> Things can yes. trigger you that that you don't even expect. You feel like you're having a great day and then something can happen. And you know it's just it's just a journey. I think the reason I was able to move forward is finding a higher meaning and a higher purpose behind this, not wallowing in the regret and absolutely not blaming anyone else in the family or blaming myself or blaming my son, but looking at this and saying, this is a reality because even though my father had died by suicide. I always thought suicide was arm's length. It was out there. It didn't happen in my immediate family with Mm -hmm. my children. That wasn't even an option. And to see the statistic bear out in my home was shocking. And my purpose, my mission at that point began to be to share what had happened to our family in the hopes that no other parent would have to go through this grief and loss. And you know, you you mentioned about your daughter passing and, and that is significant. Mm-hmm. You think in the circle of life, usually it's not the parents burying their children and that was very difficult. Absolutely. Yes, um, absolutely. It's one absolutely. thing where it's it's a health issue or an accident or something where they didn't take their own life. To take their own life, they, they were in a hopeless point. You know, they've overcome that mm-hmm. that barrier that we have you know, to self-survival, so to speak, and they just come to a hopeless point and um, I just want children to take that, or anybody actually, to take the option of suicide just out of the equation, to be willing to find help and to be able to help these families because the whole suicide thing just creates all of these questions. Why, if, you know, if I'd done something differently, would he have, would he still be here if, you know, whatever, all of these questions, and they are just so heavy that the weight of this event just has impacted me and my husband, um, the rest of our children. It's actually just changed the course of all of our lives in ways that we never would have imagined.
1: Did you by any chance get angry with him? Did you just and, and have a moment where you were yelling and screaming at him?
2: Yep, I had I had a, a few of those <laughs> moments, you know, because I, I you know, it, in some ways, okay. looking at, you know, you want to say uh, it was selfish of him, but, but in reality, people that take their own lives, they're not in their right mind. He wasn't thinking about, oh, I'm going to hurt, you know, my family, or I'm, he didn't do it for selfish reasons. He just did it because... He was hurting, and he wanted that pain to go away, and he'd probably been hurting for a long time and just wanted the pain to stop. So, yes, there were some times when I, I was angry with him, and I was angry with my husband, I was angry with myself, you know, all of these things, and and that's when I had to step back and say, blame is going to rip our family apart, and and we just absolutely had to stop the blame. And okay. None of that, because... I found this out afterwards, um, 95% of marriages where they lose a child, however, you know, the child passes, Yep. 95% of marriages end in divorce.
1: I, I know and, that.
2: Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I could very quickly see why that statistic is true, is that anything that had been going wrong in the marriage before was magnified a thousand times. Wow. Wow and how did you cope with that how, how
1: did you how did lark how did you cope with that you You're married to this man, a retired colonel, yeah. very structured, I'm sure, yeah. and I'm sure he yeah. probably blamed himself to some degree, but they don't probably show it. men don't show that so how did how did you
2: guys grapple with that and come together? You know what and here's a couple of things first of all is that we all have different grief cycles, mm-hmm. and I okay. moved through my grief cycle. Uh, faster than the rest of my family because I suddenly picked up this mission and just said, okay, let's go. I had to realize that we were all at different stages in the grief cycles, and I had to allow them to be where they were and not try to rush them through their feelings of grief. That was critical. Um The other thing is to be very open and talk candidly. My husband mm-hmm. and I did this about a month ago. And it was hard. I mean, we've, we've had our moments over the years, and we especially had them since my son passed away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we had a very frank talk, and, and we were just very open and vulnerable about what we were feeling. And, mm-hmm. you know, my husband and I have reached a lot of accomplishments in this world. You would say, oh, yeah, they, they've kind of made it, so to speak. And mm-hmm. yet, I can mm-hmm. tell you that because of my son's passing, everything that we have, everything that we have done, every role we play, we feel like utter failures. We feel like failures in our marriage. We feel like failures as parents. We feel like failures in our career, in our schooling. Even though that's not reality, that's mm-hmm. what it feels like, is that we have failed in every aspect, and that's very humbling. But one of the things, though, I'm picking up
1: that, you you know, life is full of choices. And you make the choices as your son made a choice. I realized my daughter made a choice. She was a diabetic, but she never ate the right food. She wouldn't adhere to the structured diet she was supposed to take. So possibly that, you know, did cause the demise, her early demise with being a diabetic. But do you believe that? Even though you felt like failures, this can draw you even closer as a couple. Yes. And developing a deeper love and understanding because out of all of this, you become vulnerable. You just said to be able to open and talk candidly and fall in love with each other again.
2: Is that happening? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it has. (laughs) Because... Before my son's passing, um, I think in my entire marriage with my husband, I saw him cry twice, Mm -hmm. and and one of those was at his mom's funeral. So it was very Mm -hmm. stoic, no emotions.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: with my son's passing, my husband would cry for days, just days and days and days. And to see him open up to be vulnerable and be willing to share his feelings with me That has helped us to draw closer where I feel like he actually needs me and I actually need him on an emotional level. Not just, hey, thanks for paying the bills, but on I need you emotionally. Um, We need each other at this time like, like we've never needed each other in the
1: past. I think that's laudable. Um, one of the things that uh, I was very interested in having you share, and you've just done a part of that, and some of the critical elements of, of finding your way back from the suicide, um, the death of a child by suicide. And you said, one of the things that struck me to note is that we all have different grief cycles. And I think that's important to know within a family. Uh, number two, you said allow them to be where they were, or be where they are. Allow them. And third, you said be open to talk candidly, and I, I and share your heart. I, I sort of added that <laughs> and share your heart. <laughs> so Absolutely. what other? Explorations, because, you know, this is really, I am certain going to help many listeners and people who are still dealing with their grief of the loss of a child, whether it's the loss of a child by suicide or loss of a child by other means, because it happens in families. And oftentimes, like you said, 95% end in divorce, whether it's by accident or whatever, what happens with that child, it ends up in a divorce, So what other pieces are critical elements? Because you went sort of on a research (laughs) tour. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, I I had
2: to find answers and and figure Mm -hmm. things out. Um, So something that I would say is that soon after my son died, I started joining these different Facebook groups or different grieving bereaved parents. and, Mm -hmm. And just to kind of see what was going on out there and how I could share my story and express my grief and see how other people had coped. And what was really shocking to me is that several of these parents in these groups were talking and reliving the death of their child. And their child could have been, had passed three years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Oh, my goodness. And they were still caught Stop. in this cycle. Like, there was one <coughs> woman whose daughter had passed away two years prior, and she was in high school, and she still had her backpack hanging on the stairs with her shoes there kind of like a little shrine-type thing, and they were unwilling to move past the event. They created their entire identity around, my child has passed, and I can't move forward. And I, I just knew right then, I'm like, that is not who I am. Mm-hmm. I cannot define myself by this one event.
1: Well, I, I, I know that you you run into a lot of people who are like that. They're stuck in the past and they will not get, they don't want to get, maybe they don't want to get healed. I don't know. Maybe they want to stay in the past with grief. But grief can kill you. It will destroy yes. you. I know that to be a fact. So what else yes. did you find in this Facebook
2: group? Well, I was going to say Think about that when, when you're in that grief and you're in that sorrow and, and sadness. Not to say I don't have my moments, you know, that pop up on me. Oh, of course. And I, and I, allow, I allow it to, to feel it and to, to let it move through me. I try not to let it get stuck, uh, but, but allow it to move through and move forward because in using it as a catalyst to change the world by affecting other people's lives, that's, that's the way I am dealing with the grief, and to find meaning in sharing my son's story so that it helps other people. That's where I think people make a mistake in not moving forward.
1: Well, I think I want to applaud you for being open and transparent because I do believe that's the part of healing is really, uh, as you know, when even you get a cut uh, and we put a Band-Aid on it, but for it to actually heal, you have to take that Band-Aid off so the sore can get
2: air to it so it can heal. Right. And you know what? I know that to be very true, because when my father passed, I could not talk about his suicide. Um, most of my close friends didn't even know that he had passed by suicide. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just the stigma, the shame, all of that. Mm-hmm. And it started to come back when my son passed. And I I realized that I couldn't stay in that, where I was hiding it. I had to come out and talk about my son's suicide um, and by doing that, by being very vocal about his suicide, my father's suicide, I was finally able five years later to start to heal from my father's death, which which surprised me. I didn't know that I had had put the bandaid over it and like let it sit there for that long.
1: well, I- I'm glad that you were being able to be open and get healed. Uh, because basically that's a part of it, and uh, one of the things I didn't know, that your your father, you know, had died by suicide, and of course, you know, that's 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 a double whammy for you, Lark, that, I mean, really, really it was. One of the questions, too, that uh, I wanted to ask, um, he had, you have other children, so how, how many other children
2: do you have? Well, up until two years ago, I thought we had two other girls, but at just over two years ago, my husband got a call from uh, a young man out of state. Said, uh, "I think you're my daddy," and he was. <laughs> uh, oh wow! And this, this young man, yeah, this young man uh, was married. He had three daughters, and then he had a son on the way. And he was not really sure of uh, the man he thought was his father. You know, he uh, most of his life, and then he found out at 17 that that might not be his birth father, and he was sort of estranged from his family, and it wasn't until his wife was pregnant with this boy that he finally had a desire to reach out, and I just see God's hand in this event because He came into our oh. lives yeah, and with His children and His wife, and they are lovely people, wonderful people. Um, they got to know my son for about a year before he passed, and okay. they have been a huge blessing in our life because... Now you know we didn't have any grandkids before, and now we have grandkids. They live in a different <laughs> state, but we, we try to spend time with them. They have been part of this healing process because oh. honestly, I don't know that we could have made it without this family. That's kind of brought the rest of our family together.
1: Isn't that interesting? That I mean, a son at that. So, uh, so, so your so your son, your nineteen year old, was your you your only child together.
2: my, my, my oh, No, actually, he and then, so I had a daughter from my first marriage, uh, my, my husband left me six months pregnant, you know, that was something I dealt with back then, uh, uh-huh. married my current husband, and he adopted my daughter, so we thought she was the oldest, and then we had a, a son together and a daughter together, so we, all growing up, all the kids thought that there were just three of them, okay. until okay. we found this boy who came into our life, so he's older,
1: Okay, that's great. What has been the impact on on uh, your
2: son and two daughters? Um, I mean, your so two when daughters. they found out about yeah, when they found out about this other boy, they were a bit shocked, and it, it took a little <laughs> bit for them to like wrap their head around it. But once they got to meet him and his family, it was instantaneous. Um, we spent some time last month with them for a week on vacation. And my older daughter said, after the week, she goes, "It's like I have known him my entire life, and wow. we just we just get along so well, and it's been truly a blessing, a part of the healing in our family." Mm-hmm.
1: Do you see a resemblance in personality or even in looks between uh, your newfound son and uh, his dad?
2: Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, we
1: do. <laughs> I just had to ask that question. <laughs>
2: Yes, so, you know, and, and it was more so the picture that I saw when he was a little bit younger that looked so much like my husband when my husband was younger. And there were several pictures that looked like a cousin of his. So, yeah.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you know, Lark, we're going to take a quick break right now. This is a good time to take a good break and on a happy note. And listeners, we're going to be right back because we have a couple of other things that we're going to share with you about Laura Dean Galley. Thank you for listening
0: Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you?
2: What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I Am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world.
1: Well, welcome back to my informative interview with Lark Galley of Utah. Lark, I keep thinking you're from Utah.
2: <laughs> you know, South I was born Jordan. in Utah, lived all around the United States, and then came back here to go to school, so to college, so yes.
1: Well, Utah is one state. I've only been in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, only visited once in my lifetime, and so I'll have to come back to Utah. <laughs> But thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And moreover, just sharing uh, your heart and sharing some information that I know is benefiting the listeners um, about your son. And I learned and I wanted people to understand there's a new way to express this and it's death by suicide, not that someone committed suicide. It's death by suicide. And I appreciate having the new vernacular as we discuss this. So, some of the right. questions, and we had right. talked about some some really interesting things that have happened, and now you have grandchildren, three daughters and a son your grand your grandparents and uh, my question was how um, has this been on the entire family, your daughters um, their responses, how have they been dealing with this
2: so um, with the passing of my son, uh, the older daughter sh- struggled. She had to; she felt like she needed to cut back a few hours at her work, and uh, mm-hmm. and you know they the it was not as supportive that environment as she had hoped, and they had kind of led her to believe um, it, it was very difficult for her to even get up and go to work. She uh, wanted to basically quit and run off to the wilderness and do wilderness therapy for. For troubled teens, and we're like, no, no, honey, you've got a mortgage, you know, you're, that, mm-hmm. that's probably not the best thing for you to do to cut your pay in half type thing, right? Um, but she kind of struggled through, and now she's at a point in her life where she's ready to make a transition. She's going into a completely different career. Um, my husband and I were a little bit nervous, but she was she's excited about something, and having spent these last nine months being just not excited about anything, not excited about life. We're just happy mm-hmm. she's excited about something. And during this time, she was able to give two different speeches at her um, alma mater university. And she talked about the suicide and how it impacted her. And, you know, because she's talking to college students who are in the high statistic. And by doing that, she started to feel that, yes, by talking about it, it's helping me heal. And so she's been, she's been fairly vocal about it. The younger daughter won't talk about it at all. If I even bring okay. up anything about my son, she, she will walk out of the room. Now, she's younger. She doesn't quite understand um, that at some point she's going to have to deal with this. We as adults know that, but she's, she's mm-hmm. kind of shut it down. She and She and her older brother were very close. They're only a year apart. And it's been very difficult on her. So she's a freshman at the university. Once again, she's very outgoing, vivacious, has lots of friends. But even though she's not been willing to talk about my son's passing, there have been a couple times where I have had to be very frank with her and say, I need to know if you're struggling. I cannot have you go down the same road as your brother and you not tell me that you aren't struggling. That if that if you are struggling, I felt that I had to do that as a parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you definitely have been on an exploration journey, that's for sure. And uh, I want to applaud you for that, and for just sharing uh, with others because there's so many questions. Uh, we could have part one, part two of this show because I'm intrigued with um, some. And and maybe you're finding out is there research that you have found that are exploring any biological factors that may increase the risk for suicide because because your father committing suicide was there Mm -hmm. do you believe there might have been some behavior that's linked
2: to that? Absolutely I mean I pretty much knew my father was going to die by suicide for the past Mm -hmm. 10 years uh, before he died and the reason for that is like he was diagnosed as bipolar when he was in his early 50s. He died at 71, and uh, he actually had this tattoo on his chest, DNR, do not resuscitate, and he would go out and drive his motorcycle like a crazy man with the hopes, I think, of being killed, and, um, and he would often tell me, you know, of his struggles and just this aggression that he had, and and he he owned a gun, which, you know, apparently mm-hmm. he lied on the application, because when you have a, when you get the guns, you're not supposed to have mental illness problems, mm-hmm. and right. so I sort of lived in this fear that at some point, this is how he's going to die, so wow. when he did die that way, the way wasn't such a shock, but the reality and how soon it was, that, that seemed to just weigh very heavily on me. And once again, he was going through a situation with his, um, he had a business and there were some expenses that came up and he just felt like he was in over his head and he just couldn't find a way out. And, you know, it was just like kind of a spur of the moment thing, pull out the gun and, you know, take care of it that way. And that, that's what's scary is like we get under pressures and we need Mm-hmm. to help our society have these resiliency skills so that when life gets hard because it will we need to turn to some skills where we have value in ourselves we can talk to other people we're willing to be vulnerable and be able to express very openly the struggles that we're having well you know
1: I, I, i'm like again i'm i'm very happy to have this discussion today with you and one of the things that in my research I found out, and as we talk about your father, many of the older suicide victims never tell anybody, um, or even their doctors, or anyone, that they're depressed. And oftentimes the doctors, well, today, they don't even detect it. So I'm surmising your father, making that decision, probably didn't talk to anybody, you know, because at that age, they're very private and They don't tell anybody what's going on with them. But the other factor, I don't know if you've done research on this, about decreased uh, serotonin in the brain or low levels of it in the brain contributes uh, to suicide. Uh, So some of the, the biological factors, they talk about it, that increase the risk for suicide. So scientists are now kind of looking into this. I don't know if you've explored some of that about the serotonin receptors in the brain that causes right, major
2: depression. And, and, and I mentioned that to my father years ago. I actually have one mm-hmm. of these lights in my in my bathroom area, the vanity area, so mm-hmm. that uh, there's extra light. I believe in trying to get as much light during the day as possible. It's a little bit harder during mm-hmm. the, the winter months. I try to take right. um, a vacation or two during, during the dead of winter because we do get quite overcast. But light and sunshine is so important in the moods. You know, I mean, even just not to be depressed and kind of sad, you know, the Mm SAD, the seasonal disorder, which can lead to suicide if you're in that depressive state for a long time.
1: Well, I can imagine uh, living in an area where it's foggy. I can share a personal example. I lived in a particular part of the state of California in a city where We moved in November. I never saw sun until January. It was fog. I mean, heavy, heavy fog all day long. So at 7 o'clock in the morning, it looked the same at 9 o'clock. It was fog, fog, fog. And I became so depressed. I had to go see a doctor because I was just depressed, never seeing any sun. So I can imagine, you know, living in in an area where it's snow and it's dark all the time could have an effect on
2: your mental capabilities and depression. So... Absolutely. But anyway, and, and you know, here's here's something to say on that. As I've been, you know, kind of looking into this field, just to say that there's one thing that can that triggers the suicide or one thing that can fix this, you know, somebody's depression suicide. I don't mm-hmm. think that's true. I think it's multiple. It's it's you know, taking some time to maybe meditate or to be mindful. It's getting exercise. It's getting your sunshine. It's eating good foods that help mm-hmm. build you mm-hmm. up instead of deplete. Your, your body. It's, it's right. so many factors. There really are.
1: I have one final sort of question uh, before we end the show today. Um, is Do you think that there will be a time where bereaved parents can come to a place where they understand that their, ch- their child made the choice to end their life?
2: I think some of them can come to that. It's just—it's a hard place to come to that—that that you mm-hmm. think my mm-hmm. child actually chose this. Um, mm-hmm. Although I know that my son did choose that, it's—it's it's mm-hmm. not what I would have wanted. I, I, you know, have regrets about his choice, and yet it was his choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very big on independence, on freedom of choice, and I know that I would want the right to, to make my choices, and so I allow my children the same opportunity, even though I don't always agree with their choices. That's the hard part. And that
1: is the hard part for all of us to come to grips with, that it's always the ball is in your court. It's your choice. And I just really want to thank you so much for sharing. Are there any last words that you'd like to say to the listeners as I close the show today?
2: Sure. (laughs) I'm creating this, this, Quick free module if anybody is interested. Um, it's mm-hmm. called Creating Your Intentional Life. And I'm just talking about, you know, now knowing what I know, how would I change the way I spend my time, who I mm-hmm. spend it with, how I have my relationships, and how I choose to live life. And that's on my website, larkdeengalley.com. Uh, it's, a, it's a free module. I'm just happy to give that to people so that they have my perspective. Uh, but I wish I had done differently, how, you know, how I had changed my life.
1: Really want to thank you for that because, uh, and listeners, create your intentional life. I love that, creating your intentional life because as we talk about choices, you have the choice to create the life that you want and live that life. And I really want to thank you for being so transparent and sharing your heart. And, Lark, I'm wishing you uh, all the best on your family's new journey in 2010. And uh, we're going to share, <laughs> really I do, and that your, your daughter, your youngest daughter will come to grips with what's happening and how she can come out with some answers that will soothe her heart. Um, I'm just going to sort of share again some of the critical elements that you had shared, and I think they're, they're worth repeating again. Creating your own life and more for a better life. But you all set about the pain and not the blame. But we all have different grief cycles. Allow people to be where they are. And be open and talk candidly. And one of the other things you talked about was joining Facebook groups. Joining other groups to find out what's out there so that you can share your story. And the more open you're about your story, the more you're opening your heart for healing and for light to penetrate. So, again, I just want to thank you so much um, for being on the show. It's just sort of a sobering topic, but there's happiness on the other end. And you certainly have shared that with a new family and grandchildren. So, Lark, I want exactly. to wish you. Thank uh, you so much. That is exciting. That is exciting for 2020 to be the grandmother. <laughs> uh, <although maybe laughs> overnight grandmother. You, overnight grandma. So you've got to write a book about becoming a grandma overnight. And so, again, I want to wish you and your husband all the best. And we love you, and I will keep you in my prayers. And listeners, I know you've enjoyed the show today, and you can call your friends, tell them they can listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You can also, those of you who are on my Instagram account, you can go at Dr. Barbara Young, go to my bio on Instagram, and it'll take you to the Voice America link for all of my shows, and also have a television network, Transformation Success TV, and we're coming out with a new app, Dr. Barbara Young, on Google and Apple, so we'll be making announcements on that, and next week, I have my guest, Dr. Karen Briscoe, who's going to share her story of a movement she founded at age 59, and share her five minutes to success. It's a show you want to catch up with Dr. B. So I wish you a wonderful and continued blessed week for all you all. And remember, check out the online television show and transformationsforsuccesstv.com This is Dr. Barbara Young signing off. Until next week, and be ye forever transformed. And thank you again, Laura Dean Galley, for being on the show today. Wish you all the best. <music>